Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. FitSpeak, the podcast, is available on Podbean, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and our website, which is www.fitspeak.com. We're also alive and kicking it on Instagram. We have pictures of all things triathlon and fitness related. Check it out. Tell us what you think. We are at FitSpeak. And we're also Facebook friendly, the latest links to the coolest things in multi-sport, plus conversations to make you think about why you try. It's FitSpeak on Facebook. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycling Mission, and here is your Wenting's word of the week. It is Bernal. Mention that word to Bruce or any one of the staff members at Wenting's and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. Once again, your Wenting's word of the week is Bernal. And we're also brought to you by TriToy, the spirit of multi-sport. With spring already here, it's time to build that fitness in the great outdoors. Whether you're hitting the trails, the roads, or the lakes to get your fix, TriJoy can help. We can maximize your training time with structured and motivating sessions. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Hi, I'm Mikey Ross, coach with Abbotsford Triathlon Club, and this is my top five list for FitSpeak. Personalizing your workouts. Where do you get your workouts? From a coach, an online program, a book, a buddy, or out of your own head? Wherever your source, you need to avoid the pitfalls of injury and overtraining. Adapting and modifying your swims and bikes and runs to suit your body and your goals is a necessity. And this requires you to know your body, both its gifts and its limitations. The following top five considerations should be addressed before you do any workout. Make them a habit and you will be well on your way to more effective and safer training. Number one, always preview an entire workout first so that you know what you'll be doing to your body for how long and at what intensity. Participating in prepackaged workouts, especially those written for a group, can be risky. If the content doesn't fit your fitness or your goals, change it. Doing 15 hill repeats because that's what the workout says when you know you only did five last week is just begging for an injury. Don't go there. Number two, in any workout, stick with a time intensity and distance range that works for you. It's really tricky to design group runs, bikes and swims that don't overreach the less able athletes while at the same time not challenging the most fit participants. Group clinics should, but don't always, accommodate for the wide range of their participants. Put your ego aside, show respect to your body and keep within your limits. If a group doesn't or can't accommodate you, find a training partner who can. Number three, allow for and expect this. Sometimes plan A becomes plan B or even plan C. The rule of thumb is that a workout modification should consider the least fit participant. Going from plan A, ride 50 kilometers as a group, to plan B, ride 100 kilometers as a group, is not the idea. Don't be tempted to extend and add on when you know that it's way outside your training parameters. That athlete that feels like a rock star and suggested doubling the ride can do their 100 kilometers some other day. It isn't responsible or fair or even safe 
to become part of an add-on workout. Number four, consider all the safety factors, especially when working out alone. Does your partner or family know where you are and how long you'll be gone? Do you have a charged cell phone and safety or repair kit with you? Have you planned for hydration and nutrition if your workout is a long one or on a hot day? Did you bring along clothing to accommodate for changes in the weather? It's actually smart and handy to keep a written list of possible safety considerations right in your sports bag. Refer to it while preparing for your workout and you'll maximize your chances of returning home in one piece. Number five, do you have the appropriate equipment and the necessary skills to complete the workout successfully? Taking chances when ill-prepared or inexperienced is unwise. Examples, wearing racing flats to a trail run risks injury. Riding on a gravel road with a road bike risks repair. Forgetting your wetsuit and discovering the water is still super cold is inviting trouble. If you don't have any previous experience trail running, off-road cycling, or open water swimming, you need to be honest with the other athletes you're with. Whatever the source of your workout plans, make sure they fit for you. Even the best coach out there may assign you a brutal set of intervals on a Tuesday when they forgot that you raced on a Sunday. If you don't understand a workout or it doesn't make sense for you, don't do it. Your body is worth it. For FitSpeak, I'm Mikey Ross. Any questions before we get rolling? Oh man, Kevin, so many, but none of, none of any consequence to okay. oh, yes. uh, nice <laughs> doing this. Is that coffee? No, 100% no. it's F2C. Oh, okay. It's, it's what I would call chocolate milk. Ah. It's the, the vegan F2C protein powder. Ah. I just had like go. a double this morning, so ah. I'm still refueling. Mm. Here we go. In three, two, one. Our next guest, one of the most colorful people in Canadian multi-sport. He's represented Canada at a number of world championships. He is the ringleader of the Tri-Nerds group out of Victoria, a recently minted Masters of Kinesiology, specializing in sports psychology, and the first ever Nick we have ever interviewed. Welcome to FitSpeak from Victoria, Nick Patnode. Oh man, I'm so proud of that, that last achievement. I actually like that's that's probably one that hits the hardest for me right now. The first Nick to be on FitSpeak. Well, back in the there's 132 episodes. How could I be the first? I know this is we're breaking we're breaking new uh, territory here. Um, what's kind of funny is um, I was uh, born a child of the 1960s. My middle name is Nick, or sometimes I use Nicholas. I've had uh, uncles called Nick. Lots of friends back in the old country, and what I mean by the old country is Saskatchewan. Lots of Nicks there. It's like common like John is in, in most Anglo countries. Um, how did you get the name or do you have privy to that information? Oh man, honestly, I have no idea. I've never queried it, though I did have so many Nick friends. Fun fact though is I usually change the spelling of my name like three times per year, depending on how I feel. Sometimes I spell Nick N-I-C-K, sometimes I go N-I-C, and then other times I go N-I-K, and I sort of just ah. 
different times of the year. I just have these different vibes. So you'll see business cards of mine that'll okay. be NIC. And then other business cards will say N-I-C-K because that's just how I was feeling when I started that job. Mm. So super fun. Yeah. Going going with your last name now. Now this, I come from the old country, meaning Saskatchewan, like I've alluded to. And Patnoud was a big family out in the area around Calvington and Wadena. Do you have any roots back there? There's definitely some for sure, but most of my family is in BC in Horsefly. There's actually a Patnoud Lake. Oh, really? By Horsefly, yeah, and like a huge ranch, and that's where most of my family's been for the last, like, I guess close to a century wow. by this point, because it was my grandfather's grandfather that started the ranch, mm-hmm. so, yeah, and then, actually, my my father and my grandfather were, and grandmother were all in uh, Penticton, so they moved out of Horsefly, and, uh, and were in Penticton for most of my my dad's life so yeah so but, so i don't know anybody in quebec <laughs> but i know there's a lot there's a lot out there and i i get research article tags uh-huh. so i don't know if you have an account with academia dot um edu but i keep getting mis uh misdirected emails saying i've been cited in a research paper oh every t- it's it's nicholas patinot or like yeah. nicholas patinot and I'm like, no, that's that's not me. That's this not, one is not like I'm not being cited over here. Like, trust me on this one, guys. It's it's someone else. So yeah. where where was home growing up for the first you know dozen years of your life, or maybe a bit more? Yeah. So I I was born in Victoria, but um, spent like a few short years, uh, not of my memory. Mm. Uh, and then what I remember is like growing up in Cobble Hill, which is like near Shawnigan Lake, if you've done the Shawnigan Lake Triathlon. Many times, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so grew up pretty much in like Cobble Hill and then a short stint in Vancouver and then fully matured in Shawnigan Lake. Mm-hmm. So very useful years in like up until I think I was like five, but earliest memories are Cobble Hill. And then a year and a half in Surrey. And then the rest of those years were in Victoria and then or in Shawnigan Lake, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then I moved down to Victoria when I was like 18 for school, 18, 19, I guess. I took a year off working construction in mm-hmm. Campbell River and then moved down to Victoria and paid for some schooling with that yeah. hard earned manual labor. Very hard earned, yes. <laughs> yeah. Made you appreciate. Paid for it with it. my tan. <laughs> Let's talk about mm-hmm. the, the household growing up. Uh, any brothers or sisters into sports? Your mom or dad? Yeah, I mean, it's something that, like, being so heavily into sport now and, like like you were saying, like, having my education in the sporting uh, field, it's really interesting to me in that I had absolutely no athletic upbringing and really none of my family does either. So, I mean, neither my mom's side nor my dad's side are what I would refer to as athletic, even Mm -hmm. on a recreational level. Yeah. I mean, we would go... Like we would ride our bikes like two to three kilometers, like maybe once a month as just like a little social family okay, yeah. outing. And I hated it because <laughs> I would get dragged away from my video games. Oh, okay, yes. And so I never wanted to go on these bike rides nah. with the family. Um, but my dad thought it was important for us to at least have like, I don't know, fortnightly mm. uh, outdoor excursions. And we would do like small hikes and the like. But um, 
my family is like a very um, homebody oriented group. Not like my family up in Nanaimo on my mom's side is mm-hmm. all they're all very much like indoor individuals. Spend a lot of time inside. We just grew up playing like board games and video games, and that's sort of our social life. Like when I go for family dinners, we'll have a yeah. big dinner and then we'll play like two hours of board games. Ah, yeah. And it's great. Or we have a family Dungeons and Dragons campaign. Oh wow. That, like pretty much yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. So like me and my cousins will uh-huh. be will stay up like late mm. and we'll be playing Dungeons and Dragons from like ten PM to like two AM and we just have this one story that we've been working on for like four years now so, so that's <laughs> that's good character. for the endurance part of uh triathlon and multi-sports uh you know it is. a four-year run when you were growing up any high school sports that you you know took a shine to you tried out for high school basketball i mean you're a fairly tall fella were you that tall back in 10 and 11 yeah i am almost tall enough for that but Honestly, I did um, in grade three. So here was my initial foray. Uh, in grade three, I signed up for the cross-country team because my teacher was the cross-country team coach. And uh, my friend and I did it. Uh, I don't recall why we did it, <laughs> but I remember sticking with it for about two weeks and then deciding this is not for me, this running thing. Ah. <laughs> not a fan. We would just do laps of the school, and I decided this is not, this is not what I want to do. And it wasn't until grade 11 when I really took like an interest in in activity again mm-hmm. and that was more from the perspective of like trying to assert control over my physical being and like I, I had the, the self-awareness to recognize like the unhealthy patterns that I was in and, okay. and the lack of health that I had at, at that time and I actually signed up with it was my biology teacher at the time. It was two biology teachers at Francis Kelsey School, secondary school, where I did my grades 10 through 12, or mm-hmm. 9 through 12, I guess. Yeah, we signed up for the TC10K Run Club, oh, myself yes. and another friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, man, I just – it was just the right time for me, uh, I guess, because mm-hmm. I discovered that suffering – was kind of nice, I nice. guess, cool. or I just had enough like self loathing at that like prime age. Exactly those like formative teenage years, yeah. <laughs> and um, just really took a. I found out that I had like some uh, what I I presumed was natural talent mm-hmm. because I was I was overweight, but not significantly like not in like a clinically like yes i was overweight but socially i was like a very normal Hmm. sized individual um but like my own personal perspective on it was that i was overweight just like dysmorphic Hmm. um self-image but i was able to grind through like the first couple weeks of training and had like noticeable success like linear gains obviously as happens when Hmm. someone initially comes into the endurance scene it's very linear that that initial progress and had like a lot of fun enjoying like a community of, of running and man, just like took off from there and myself and my friend that year, my friend Tyler, like that really catapulted both of our, neither of us were athletic. So like catapulted Mm -hmm. both of our, our uh, life trajectories into a health and fitness pathway. Should, should I prod you and ask what your time was? Because you probably remember 
I actually don't. You don't. <laughs> I remember my toes were all bleeding. Oh, and my goodness. the Walmart sneakers that I had oh, ran yeah, in yeah. were stained on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I, would, I have this, like, amazing picture of me with, like, chubby little cheeks and like <laughs> long hair that just like comes down over my brows mm. and uh, I had a hydration camel back on like oh, wow. I remember all of these details but yeah, time yeah. like I don't remember and I have I know I've looked it up in the past mm-hmm. because I've been interested and then it's just not that like that number it wasn't as interesting I guess it just doesn't stick with me but it'd be easy to find it's just the yeah. 2000 7 TC 10k I think was the first year but yeah I very much have like the images of like, like I know how I looked and like how I felt that day very mm. much so. And I remember like getting to the finish line and just being like, "Why did I bring this camel back with me? I didn't drink from it once." <laughs> really, like, what not a once. Eh? What What do you think? No, was I was in just it? in the zone. I yeah, got in the yeah. zone. It was just water. Yeah, yeah I didn't water. electrolytes and. Like, all of that, none of that had any, like, sway on me. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. I don't Mm -hmm. even think we talked about it during our, like, run training program. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I I think I took, like, a gel. Like, I remember having a gel and not liking it. But that was, like, a coarse gel. And, like, that was about it. And then Mm -hmm. I just waited for my other friends to finish. And then we had cookies and chocolate milk at the finish line. And that's a selling point. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. But yeah, I definitely, my feet were wrecked for a few oh, days mm-hmm. and I was, yeah, I was not having a good time in the like physical sense, but yeah, definitely like emotionally and, and just like psychologically I had a, had a great time. Yeah. So you finished the race and sometime between doing your very first 10K, you got into this crazy world of multi-sport. How did that transition happen yeah that was like the course of a few years really leading up to it in that it's like after that initial like tc 10k my friend and i did like a local trail running series and i got really into the running scene Mm. lost a lot of weight over like my grade 12 year and then like following years like there's it i still have like student cards and like my grade 11 student card from the beginning of grade 11 and my grade 12 from the beginning of grade 12 like my face went from like wide and round to this like lean jaw like I had like jaw lines Mm -hmm. and like I look at that and just like wow I also like grew like I didn't grow that much I was already like Mm 5'11 but I hit my like peak height so I'd already gone through peak height velocity like (laughs) age of of growth but anyways tangential but so then it was like several years of just really focusing in and like I did my first half marathon in grade 12 and then i did a marathon the next year um just really focused in on on running and sort of like built my lifestyle around running at the time now at that time were you a student or was this when you were doing the hard construction work yeah so i finished so grade 12 like pretty much all through grade 12 i was like running and then second half of grade 12 was when i i bought a road bike so i could Mm. do some cross training because i found out about cross training um throughout the year that i was like working construction i'd sort of had like a couple months where i would be working at a sushi shop um in mill bay as well like making sushi rolls in a thrifties yes like a owned by tsunami sushi which is a big vancouver place and they're still pretty good pretty Mm. good but that was part of that shift in that I bought a bike so that I could commute to work because it was like a 16 kilometer 
commute. So instead of driving my car, I would mm-hmm. ride my bike to the sushi shop. And then when I was working up island, I would, would do a lot of trail running when I was there until I got scared by the bears. Oh. And then I, then I like cut that uh, significantly, and I just did short, high-intensity runs mm. um, to make sure I didn't get caught by a bear. Um, but then it wasn't until, I think, uh, I guess I was 19, 20, 19 or 20 was the first duathlon that I did. I'm pretty sure I was 20. Um, I think it was 2010 is the first year that I did a duathlon event, and that was the Sri Chinmoy oh, self-transcendence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. if you remember that, that one was yeah. like that was great. Another great introduction to multi-sport. Very positive. Very positive. Oh, yes. so good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I have such like a a strong drive towards like the psychological, yes. psychosocial aspects yeah. of of like community events and mm. multi-sport in particular. Um, but I signed up for it because I was at Front Runners, like our, our local running store over here, um, similar to four runners in Vancouver, Rob Reed, former marathoner, mm. started both of them with his partner at the time, business partner at the time, who I don't remember the name of. And it's just like a little poster there, and it said like running and cycling. And I was like, oh man, this sounds great. I did not know what a triathlon was. I, it's also really interesting. I remember now that I'm like older and like after having done a triathlon i remember simon whitfield like yeah. the year he had a gold medal mm-hmm. i remember i remember his face being at my school when he like won a gold medal and doing a talk wow. um it was him and then there was a basketball player that came as well uh, who was like trying to get to the olympics anyways or no he had gone to the olympics mm-hmm. but he was like american team or something anyways really tall guy and then simon and then there was another woman there but like I remember him coming to our school, and I like found like an old photo in like a school album about uh-huh. like the time that like these athletes like visited us yeah. at school. Anyway, super cool. So, but I had no idea what a triathlon. You couldn't was, really I, like, appreciate who this dude was at the time, but now no, you look not back. Not a chance. Holy cow! That that was that was like, Simon. Oh, that's the guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is the guy. Anyway, so I get to this duathlon, the Sri Chinmoy. And the, this is when I see people like getting into the water and like, okay, duathlon start is over here. Triathlon start is over here. And like mm-hmm. people in like wetsuits and stuff, I'm, like what is going on here? Like, yeah. this is crazy. Have my duathlon, which was like super fun. It was, it was, I know it was a hot day, but I don't remember like how terrible it was. But again, I was in like, I didn't have cycling shorts at this point in my life yet. What did you have? Um, well, I just had like, Running, running, I had running shorts, shorts at least by this time. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, like, that was like not the most comfortable experience, but it was pretty okay. Okay. And I got through that, and it was super fun. But I, I remember like having the pancakes at the end of that race. <laughs> um, by this time, I had also transitioned to like a vegan diet, mm. and, or I was starting to, and so I was like experimenting with a lot of this stuff. And um, and they had like vegan pancakes there, and I was like, oh man this is great. Like, this is everything that like I'm trying to be in my life. Nah. There's like all of these things are just lining up for me. Hmm. And so then I like, after the race, I got into the water. I was like, ah, oh, like, I don't know how, like, I don't know if I'd want to do this. I tried swimming a little bit and like, I had no experience swimming either mm-hmm. at this point. It's like, man, like this looks really cool, but I don't know if I can, I can do one of these. And I remember explicitly like going in and trying to swim out because the the swim buoys were still up. still up, so yeah. You're, and so you're I could see it. I was like, yeah, like, like, I'll see. Like, yeah, yeah like, mm-hmm. how hard could it be? And I remember getting probably, like, 
like I remember it being like 50 meters, but it was probably like 20 meters uh, maybe before mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is hard. And I'm <laughs> doing like heads up, like front crawl and like probably just terrible form. Yeah. And I could still put my feet down when oh, I decided I needed to turn around because it's, yeah, it's Elk Lake. So yeah. it's like, I know there's that, like, it goes out pretty far, but like, I, I don't think it goes out 50 meters before mm. you you can't touch the ground. So I think it's probably like 20 meters. But I like stood up and like turned around. I was like, oh my God, there's so much further to go. Mm. And that was like the first time that I saw triathlon. And that was my first foray into multi-sport inadvertently duathlon and only because i cross-trained on a bike so Mm. i was like why not this sounds great Mm -hmm. like we can do that any results that you remember for that race were you this kid who came out and won his first race like i've heard a few times yeah (laughs) i mean that wasn't me but um I definitely, it was another big ego boost because duathlon is not well attended. Mm-hmm. And so I think I got like 32nd place or something. Oh, like it okay. was, it was like a good number. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to look at numbers objectively, um, but it was by no means like a top 10% or anything. It was like, I think the event itself probably had like 60 people that year. So mm-hmm. it was like a, like a bottom 50%, Yeah, but 32 sounds really good. Yeah. And like, I think I was third in my age group that first year. Mm-hmm. And so they do age group awards for the duathlon as well. So nice. like pretty much guaranteed a podium at that event. <laughs> it's addictive, but addictive stuff. It, I mean, you taste is. that like, success. That's what gets it's like, you. Well, that becomes normal and you want to replicate that success. Oh, I want more of yeah. that. Like, <laughs> I'll take another one of those, please. Yeah. Like, yes, give mm-hmm. me more of that. So, yeah, that was, and that was like a, like my time was just under three hours. I think it was in like the 240 mark for a standard distance duathlon. So like mm-hmm. not super bad. Yeah. Not super good, but it was like a good like medium, <laughs> medium outcome. Yeah, so good introduction I wasn't the superstar, but yeah, exactly. How did you eventually get into going into the water and mustering up the courage to to perhaps do some swim training enough to get into your first uh, triathlon. Yeah, I mean, so that was so I I was also just starting my undergrad at the time, um, and so at the time I was doing my undergraduate studies were in organic chemistry and biotechnology, and I failed first year calculus. Mm-hmm. And that made me reconsider whether I wanted to do those sciences or not. I also had, I barely passed physics and I failed calculus and I had good organic chem scores. But after that first semester, I actually ended up like switching majors and moving into athletic therapy. Mm -hmm. And so I had because I was coming in second semester and it's a cohort program. Okay. I could only take a few courses and then I had to wait till the next year to get into it. I like entered this, it was a different, it was the same school, but a different campus, the Pacific Institute of Sports Excellence at Camosun. It's mm-hmm. their like second campus just out of town. And so I got into the athletic therapy program, started doing some of the courses through there, had a whole bunch of extra time um, so I ended up starting to volunteer at the YMCA so that I could get a free gym membership mm. down there. And so I was doing, I was instructing, I did my spin class instructor program. Oh, wow. Through the YMCA. And so I started instructing spin classes at 6 a.m. Mm. on Tuesday mornings. 
And so that was my, like, every Tuesday morning would be a 6 a.m. spin. With my free membership, I also got free drop-ins to the pool because um, they have a 25-meter pool in there. They have, like, four lanes, 25 meters. It's this dungeon of a pool, <laughs> super, like, gaudy, yellowing tiles no. everywhere. It's disgusting, and the water is warm. I'm, I'm pretty sure the water is, like, 18 degrees. So, like, warm for pool water. Mm. And you overheat really quickly. But watched a bunch of YouTube videos, chatted with lifeguards, and decided like I was going to get myself to be able to swim by the following summer. And so spent basically like the entire like winter, like basically like January onwards, and um, learned how to swim. And I think Kevin was a lifeguard there. Kevin was like the lifeguard who was helping me out the most, but basically just helped me learn how to do front crawl. Mm -hmm. And then, so I would do a spin class and then I would jump in the water after spin class and do like a little bit of a swim, just practicing breathing, trying to do some lanes, some lengths. Some lengths and, yeah. um, and then I would like swim a second time in the week. And I basically just like built my school schedule around, I would bike to school I would do like a run like after a class. If I had like two classes, I would do like a workout in between classes. Yeah, you got that window of opportunity. Was, so you're already learning some awesome time management skills. I mean, why wait around, so right? Great. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Just get after it. Yeah. It was wonderful. I was just working retail anyways. So like I didn't have that much commitment at work. It was mm. super easy. Yeah, so much fun. And then the big day. You put your foot in the water, uh, wetsuit legal race for your very first triathlon? Yeah, so I'm actually struggling. Like, I, I was trying to recall what sequence of events <laughs> happened, but I'm pretty sure it was the Stanley Park triathlon was my actual first triathlon because that year I did the UBC duathlon. duathlon. And I'd consider, like, I'm pretty sure that was the year I considered doing the triathlon. And I was like, ah, like... Maybe not yet. I don't really. It's March. It's cold coming out of the pool. <laughs> exactly. It could be snowing. Sometimes oh, it is. It, yeah, it has Sometimes been. It exactly. Is. It's like, yeah. oh, my God. It is not a good time to be mm -hmm. doing a try. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't actually until, like, the end of that summer that I did the Stanley Park triathlon. Mm, yeah, because that's a later and season race. It is, yeah. yeah. And so that one was a fun one because I actually – Oh no, that was my second triathlon. Now I think it was actually my second one because the first one was the Elk Lake one. Okay. I did the Elk Lake triathlon that year and did like pretty okay at the sprint distance. And mm -hmm. then I stepped up to the standard distance for um, Stanley Park. Mm -hmm. So like the Elk Lake one, it went by fine. It was no problem. I had no hitches or anything. Mm -hmm. I had a slow swim. My I started off my triathlon career at like a two minute her 100 meter swim pace which was like wonderful for me and like i still haven't got broken the like 140 <laughs> pace at this stage of my life but that's fine i can hit 138 on like a, a short course but I, like i can't like pretty fins. much 140 yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> fins no problem like yeah. <laughs> all, all day all day but yeah the elk lake course wonderful again it's the Sri chinmoy so great event that was the that's the only year that I haven't got a podium for that race because I did the track. Well, you got to <laughs> fly the nest at some time, right? I exactly, mean, yeah, yeah mm -hmm. at some point. Um, but then the standard distance at at Stanley Park was like what really like 
it made me not want to do triathlon. It took oh. a lot to get back into it because I got like kicked in the face during oh, the swim. Yeah. And like I got a nosebleed and like no. I kept trying to swim. Uh-huh. Yeah. But there was like blood like like pooling and oh. I could feel it and like taste the iron and the heat. Oh, wow. And I just like sat there with a kayak for a few minutes mm-hmm. and it was just like I don't want to do this. I'm going back. And I just like cut the cord. Like that's that's the first of only two DNFs I think yeah. I've done. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I just like did not have a good time at that one. And I, as soon as I got out of the water though, like like before I cut the cord, I was like, mm-hmm. man, like this sucks. Like I hate this. I don't want to do this. And all the way back to the beach, I was like, yeah. man, this is the right call. Like uh-huh. I don't want to be doing this. And then I get back into transition. There's people going out on their bikes. Uh, oh, uh, I want to be riding my bike right now. Like, yeah, that's why I'm here. Uh, I want to ride my bike and then run. Mm-hmm, and yeah. um, to this day, triathlon, I just suffer through the swim so I can bike and run a race. Because yeah. I really don't care for the swim at mm-hmm. all. Except when I'm racing in Hawaii and Cozumel. Then uh, I love the swim. But I don't swim fast anyways. Mm-hmm. I just... I take them like pretty leisurely and yeah. I'll do that like one like if I do a 140 I'm tanked if I do a 142 I feel great. Yeah. Like, no problem. So I'll do like a 142 pace. Yeah. And like get out and be like all right now it's time to grind. Yeah. Jump on the bike and 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 let the magic happen. Exactly. And that's been my MO like basically ever since then was just like don't worry about the swim. Mm-hmm. Like I've got nothing to prove in the swim. <laughs> it just doesn't feel good. So when you went to represent Canada in these international competitions, was that as a duathlete or as a triathlete? Oh, yes. As a duathlete. That was as a duathlete, yes. yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, most, most of the time. So, yeah, yeah. At, at Age Group Worlds, like, mm-hmm. I've, I've done Age Group Worlds a few times now, starting in 2014. And that was, my first qualification was at the Elk Lake Street Chinmoy. And again, like, I didn't actually know that it was a thing until I got to the race, like, I sort of read about it in the, like, posters, but I didn't really know what it meant um, or didn't hold any sway on me. I, I qualified for Worlds, and that was for Spain, Pontevedra. So I qualified in 2013. 2014 was the year that we went. That was in, like, April. Um, but then I also qualified on, in the 2014 year. I was, like, riding high on that emotional high of mm-hmm. qualifying for a, a World Championship event. That I also, excuse me, um, worked on 2015 was in Chicago and for the standard distance mm-hmm. and Australia for the duathlon. I was oh. like, man, I want to go to both of those. Uh-huh. And so that's the only year that I've done the standard distance triathlon was Chicago. And I actually, I barely made the cut for oh. that one. And that's because it was a, it was a two deep podium and I was second uh-huh. and and then I also went to Australia that year. But then 2016, we did another one. That was Almir, so Spain again. In Spain, yeah. 2017 was Penticton, mm-hmm. which we were at. And that was that was such a fun, like it was so fun being at like an event we were hosting. Yeah. Like that's such a cool vibe. And then 2018, I think, is the year I didn't go because that was in Europe in like... Um, was it... Denmark or the Netherlands? I think it was Denmark because yeah. the Netherlands right, is coming. Right, it was Denmark, right, yeah. Yeah. I remember so I the F2C water bottle saying Denmark on them. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Right on the water yeah. bottle. Yeah. yeah. And then 2019 I went as well 
to Almere, but that time I did duathlon and I did long course aqua bike because, ah. um, and that was super fun. And then I was supposed to go 2020 to, um, Amsterdam, right. to the Netherlands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I have hopefully this September as well. So yeah. out of 2014 through 2020 slash 2021, yeah. I've missed one, one year. Mm-hmm. That was the Denmark year, but I went twice in one year. Yeah. So, so you, you average know, it out. I've averaged yes. every year. Yeah, mm-hmm. on average, I go to every every year. So, so your your career in multisport has not been without a few uh, incidents. Um, you and a, a training buddy of mine, Brian Wilkinson, were out shortly before the day of the race in Penticton, and tell us about what happened because that kind of laid you up for yeah. a while, didn't it? I think it still does. Oh. But I was like 24 or 48 hours before the 2017 race, and that was before the long distance one, I believe. Yeah. On the I think I'd already done the duathlon, mm. and it was before the long distance race. Mm. Um, yeah, it was like 24 or 48 hours before. It's such a blur. But yeah, we got we got hit by a motorcycle out of all things in a bike lane. Like yeah. we were in a bike lane, and a motorcycle made a right hand turn through an intersection on a green light like we all all three of us had a green light mm-hmm. and he just like turned right into us and just like bowled us over <laughs> and had a good time there broke some spokes yeah. um like broke some bones yes. i think brian had some like nerve damage in his hands still from that and had like a surgery yeah. i didn't have any surgery unfortunately for me um, it was mostly all soft tissue, mm. um, but definitely had some motor patterns that were compromised from that, from just like the, the blunt force and some like, like I, I'm pretty confident that it is just like a psychosomatic, like pain. Like it's not actually pain in my knee, but like sometimes I feel like I can still feel oh, that yeah. knee pain, mm-hmm. um, when I'm running. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not real at this mm-hmm. point. But maybe it is. And, like, I don't want to disregard that because yeah. pain is very much, like, a psychological as well as a biological and emotional uh, entity. But, yeah, so that was super fun. And that that was the most painful race I think I've done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just having, like, a bit, like, a major contusion on my hip and knee and some wounds that were still sealing themselves up after at least it wasn't a high speed collision like we had only started pedaling like five probably less than five seconds ago Mm because we'd like we slowed down before the stop because it was a red and then it was green and there were like two vehicles and then motorcycle and then a couple more vehicles and so we stood up started pedaling and then had the Mm -hmm. had the motorcycle roll right into us but yeah Super fun. The best way to go into a world championship. Yeah, event. well, you got stories to tell. I mean, you know, some of Simon's best performances are when he, you know, falls off the bike doing 70 or 80 kilometers per hour descending Yellow Lake, and then he, you know, yeah. finds a way to get back on his bike, finds a way to make the bike work, and then finds a way to piss, uh, piss uh, past Chris McCormack, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hello, this is Dr. H. Elise Ree, and this is Between the Ears. 
So many people choose to engage in an endurance event for various reasons, such as the enjoyment of pushing themselves to see what they can achieve, to see how they rate compared to other people, to feel like they accomplished a big goal, or to give themselves motivation to exercise more. Some people can set the goal verbally, but then they have difficulty following through with the behaviors they need to accomplish the goal. So here's some ideas from the psychological side of things to achieve endurance goals, whether it's competing in a marathon or a triathlon, from setting the goal, making it to the start line, which is obviously really important, and then making it to the finish line. So firstly, we, we only have so much time in our, in our days, weeks, and months to train. So you need to look at where the time will come from. In other words, we usually have to make some sacrifices in some ways in order to spend the time needed to train. Take a good look at where you spend your time. And if training for gradually longer periods as time goes on is realistic for you and where that time will come from. Often people ask me, how do you find time to do all that training? And I tell them I don't find it. I make the time, it's important to me. Secondly, realize and accept that there will be times when you won't feel well. Your muscles may cramp during long workouts. You may feel like throwing up during or after a long run in the sun. Your muscles will likely hurt, etc. Just accept that the good comes with the bad and the ugly. Remind yourself that most great accomplishments that sit proudly on your plate were accompanied by some ugly stuff too. Thirdly, find ways to make it fun. If you need to do a long run on a treadmill, find ways to make it more fun, such as listening to good music or watching music videos or eat fun foods. I mean, I like uh, running and eating ginger snap cookies. Join a club or find a friend who also wants to do the endurance event, as training with someone can be more fun than doing it alone. Fourthly, how you talk to yourself is really important. And, and, and how you get through those difficult times can make such a big difference between whether you get to the start line and after that, whether you get to the finish line. So set yourself up for success by being curious about what you can do rather than demanding yourself to reach a finish time that may not be right for you or that was right during training and then it becomes not right due to extreme weather conditions. Remember during the event that no matter what goes wrong, it's not just the event itself that matters, but all the fun and pride you feel in yourself for the training that you did in order to get to that start line. And during the event, be in the moment. Listen to your body and remember to enjoy every minute of it, regardless of how well or not that event is going for you. Athletes who are mentally strong have a great advantage over people who have great physical fitness but lack that mental fitness. So have fun in your training and your endurance event. For Between the Years, this is Dr. H. Elise Ree. And that's it for another edition of FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. Coming up next week on the show, we'll have part two of our feature interview with TriNerd's Nick Patnew. And Mikey Ross will be back for another top five list. FitSpeak is brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Your Wenting's word of the week is burnout. 
Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Burnout. And yes, we're also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. Whether you want to get faster or go farther, TriJoy can help. With our low client-to-coach ratio, we can give you the attention you deserve to achieve your potential. It's TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. See our link at the bottom of this page. Just a reminder, we are on Facebook. We are your local go-to spot for information and inspiration. Yes, it's Fitspeak on Facebook. And now, at Fitspeak on Instagram, your place on the internet where you can see what we've been up to, what excites us, and for you to share your story in pictures. Finally, if you're listening to us on Podbean, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, why not drop by our website to see a bit more about the program, maybe leave us a comment on the show, or ideas for future programs. For Kevin Watt, Roy McBeth, Dr. Elise, and Mikey Ross. I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.